Hey guys, this is the Hard Time Strongman Podcast, drinking up a bear class of man. And today, we're joined once again by Critter1371 to talk about all sorts of stuff. We have a lot of fun on this episode. We talk about uh, combat engineer things, blowing stuff up, chemistry, error denial, family, the whole works. So I know you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Make sure to give Critter a follow and join us for more. You guys are going to have a lot of fun today. Stay in the fight. All right, so I'm Critter. I did eight years in the Marine Corps as a combat engineer. Uh, build shit, build, uh, blow shit up. Um, <clears throat> went. I was stationed in North Carolina, then Camp Lejeune. From there, was deployed with the MU, and got to Afga- went to Afghanistan, and then went to Okinawa, and then was in Camp Pendleton. I've uh, been out for longer than I was in now, which feels weird to say. I'm getting old, guys. Uh, was was in Oof. for eight years, and now I'm. I've been out for over eight now, um, and I try to get together with buddies and train on doing militia type stuff and trying to trying to do a homestead. This year is the second year actually running the garden. It's doing a lot better than it was last year, and uh, yeah, it's about where I'm at. Those peppers are looking nuts. <laughs> oh yeah, they are. I just I just picked a whole bunch more uh, today because I had a bunch of habaneros. I've ordered some hot sauce bottles um they should be in soon so i can make some habanero hot sauce uh my first uh red ghost pepper is turning red so i'm looking forward to to, to picking that one and i've got my carolina reaper like it's when i got it it was already root bound but every single one of them that was there were already root bound so i really want i grew one last year i really wanted to grow one again this year so i bought it anyway i probably shouldn't but it's it's growing, but it's not growing like I want it to. So, but whatever I yeah. get off of it, will just have to be good enough, I guess. You're a brave, brave man growing Carolina Reaper. Like, I would not in my wildest dreams ever want to put that anywhere near my mouth. Well, see, last year I had one, and I picked several of them, and I was trying to save the seeds. And so, interesting fact about fact about peppers. The, the hottest part is not the seeds themselves, it's the pith, which is that little white part that the seeds grow on. Mm-hmm. And when I uh, was trying to get the seeds off, I pulled the pith out of a lot of them, and I just used the shell to make pepper flakes. Well, when I did that, that tamed the heat down a lot, so I had pepper flakes that I'd add stuff to, and it'd give the kick, but it wouldn't, like, burn your mouth to smithereens. Now, you eat one fresh, yeah, I, I, did, I ate, like, a very tiny, like, I'm talking, like, that size, guys. And, like, I was instant, instant regret. Like, I, I drank two glasses of milk and ate three spoons of mayonnaise before it finally got down to where I just wasn't pure pain anymore. Wow. Like, I like I, like I did that, and I was like, okay, this still hurts, but I'm not, like, blind pain. I, I don't know what to do with my life anymore. And when I was, I was drunk... I say, my eyes sweat anytime I look at your post on that. <laughs> like, I can't, no. You weren't over their pants and... <laughs> yeah, think it's uh, well. I was uh, de- when I was making the uh, flakes for them. Like you know, I have a dehydrator. I put I cut them up into quarters and I put them in the dehydrator. I was checking them, nice. and uh, one morning before work, and one of them was wasn't quite dried out like I thought it was. So I went. I normally I would put gloves on before I handle them, but I was like, ah, oh, it's whatever. I'll uh, I, I've I've gotten to the point where I'll tear them in half and I'll just go wash my hands immediately after. 
Well, I was like, I tore it in half to make it smaller and then turned the dehydrator back on. And I was going to go wash my hands immediately. And then the dog started like whining like crazy. I was like, okay, let me let the dogs out. I got distracted, forgot to wash my hands and then rub my eye like this. Oh, oh my, I might as well have <laughs> just pepper sprayed myself. Because FYI, <laughs> oh pepper spray on the Scoville scale goes from two to five million. And Carolina Reapers go from 1.4 to 2.2. So it goes right into the area of like the low-tier pepper spray. And yeah, I was in utter pain. Had to like go to the bathroom, wash my hands really good, just basically keep my eyes closed because I couldn't see what I, because I just opened them hurt. And I pulled my contacts out and tried to wash my contacts off really good. And then I washed my eyes out, got it where it stopped burning. I was like, okay, let's see if I can salvage these contacts. So I like... Washed them out with saline really good, really good, really good. And put the one uh, first one back in, no problem. Put the second one back in. It was, as soon as it touched my eyeball, it hurt again. I was like, nope, pull that out, oh. throw that bitch in the toilet, throw the other one in the toilet, wash my hands, just get a whole new set, start over. Yeah. Nope. Just throw your eyes away. What's the point? <laughs> At that point, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, so mm. I don't know about like skin or eyes or anything, but my buddy, he... He swears by just granulated sugar for if you ever have something that's too spicy or too hot. Mm-hmm. Just because it's on the other end of like, uh, you know, like your taste bud spectrum, mm-hmm. it just cancels it out. And I've tried it once and it worked pretty good. I don't know for anything as severe as a freaking habanero pepper, but. I don't know about for like the really severe stuff, but I do make uh, like there's something called cowboy candy. Do you know what that is? I think you mentioned before. I don't remember what it is, though. It's a, you, uh, you uh, cut up uh, jalapenos, and you put it into a mixture. Or but First, you take a mixture of one part vinegar to two parts sugar, and you boil that on the stove, right? So I usually do, like, one cup of vinegar to two cups of sugar, get it to a rolling bowl till it turns clear. Then I'll add a couple extra, like, little flavorings like ginger and uh, turmeric and uh, cinnamon to it and let that boil for about, I don't know, another two minutes, and then I'll add jalapenos in there. That's, this makes candied jalapenos, and because oh, of yeah. the vinegar and the sugar, that does counteract the heat a little bit, so you got a nice sweet, and you still get a little bit of heat, but it's not like puts you on your butt heat. So, yes, yeah, sugar definitely does counteract uh, the heat a little a little bit, but uh, there's really not anything that's going to kill the heat. Like, if you've, like, ate something really, really hot, and you just can't handle it no more, like, you can sit there and drink milk all you want, but, like, as soon as you swallow it, the heat's going to come back. The same thing with water, and like if you drink a lot of milk, then you're just gonna make yourself sick, and you're gonna throw it all up. Uh, and I was actually watching a video by Ed Keery. He's the guy that actually made the Carolina Reaper, and this this is a guy that we're talking about has tried pure capsaicin, which is like 16 million on the Scoville scale, and he's tried it twice. And both uh, uh, the first time he said it was the worst thing he ever. Uh, uh, or is the sec- the first time he did it? He said it's the second worst thing he's ever done. The second time he did it, he said it was the ex- absolute worst thing he ever done because they were both stupid the first time, is what he said, or something like that. But anyway, what he said was the only way to really get rid of it is to like drink something that's got a lot of citric acid in it, like orange juice or something. It's going to hurt more in the short term, but the citric acid will break down the oil and wash it away, so then you can like get it out of your mouth. So it'll it, so it's going to make it burn more for a little bit, but then it'll actually get it out of your mouth. You heard it here first, folks. Drink orange juice. 988 or 988lifeline.org. The world is better with you in it. The burning will go away. Oh, my God. 
It does end eventually. Just enjoy it, man. Just sit there and enjoy it. Be a man. Just steer into the Just bask in it. Be a man. Uh, it was like I got a bunch of little Thai peppers, and they're uh, they're about the the at the bottom end of their heat level is, is the top end of a cayenne, and the top end of their heat level is the bottom end of a habanero. And I got like five or six people that work to eat them, and they all instantly regretted life. Except for the other guy that worked the gross peppers, me and him just are both uh, masochists, I guess. Whatever, we both enjoyed it, but the other ones Clearly. were like, "Oh no!" Clearly, oh dude, you're sick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you, you need to talk to somebody, man. Yeah. It's good, like, man. You're in good company. It's not here. right. <laughs> you're in good company. I'd be dead. I'd be. Dead. I, I if I even touched it, I'd be. I'd be done. No. Oh, I, I'm not built for it, but good on you for finding new ways to torture people. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. We've been around for a while. That, that's what I was thinking about. Honestly, I was like, you know what? Ed Curry was talking about like the pure capsaicin. Like they order it to like test their machines that actually test the Scoville rating of their peppers to see how hot they are and stuff. I was like, I wonder if I could order some of that. You know, have just pure capsaicin, and then somebody like, hey, you know, you oh got a prisoner you're trying to interrogate. Just rub that on some of their gums. Oh my god. Because that's not going to kill him. It's just going to hurt. Oh, you don't want to talk, huh? All right. <laughs> Dip their nuts in it, you know? Or, man, you know, if you, if you if you capture your local pedophile, you know, then you can just do that for a couple of days until they until it stops burning and you can find other things to do. Which I don't know if 16 yeah, million can... Scoville will ever stop burning. I mean, you could season them before they go in the wood chipper. Yeah. <laughs> That'd work. Oh my god! Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, well, man, you are, as I talked to somebody on IG earlier today, our resident combat engineer. So, something we wanted to talk about with you, something that you mentioned that you were kind of brainstorming. So, area denial, mm-hmm. both in the offense and the defense. So, kind of hard to you know, talk over without like visual aids, but we're thinking in the context of, you know, like, let's say like a Parson force, you know, like, um, you know, small ish group, you know, what we talked about in our earlier conversation. So, you know, how you would set up a, uh, you know, an individual or a team or a squad size element, you know, something that people could do that aren't in the military or law enforcement. Right. Mm-hmm. So skill set wise, equipment wise, um, just talking through some different options for, uh, I just suppose, uh, you know, going from least to greatest in severity, right? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to dissuade people, you know, versus you shall not pass kind of thing. Yeah. We touched on that a little bit when you and I talked, but I figured with the three of us, we could, you know, throw some different uh, perspectives and some different ideas out. So when you were brainstorming what you we're going to make a post about for, for the offense, you know, for like, say an ambush, mm-hmm. right. What are some different things that you think of when you think of, you know, I, you are not allowed to go here. Okay. So if we're talking about specifically for an ambush, then you want to put something in like, you want to know, oh, let me get thoughts in order. You got to have a little bit of Intel, a little bit. Say, Hey, I know they're traveling this road. Okay. Right. Uh, so then you want to put an obstacle in the road that you know they're traveling, and you could either set up an immediate ambush just based off of that, because they're going to have to stop for the obstacle, 
right? right. Or you can wait and see which other road they go on because maybe it's on a big, heavy uh, traffic freeway or something that you're trying to block them off on, but you don't have a really good spot to set up an ambush. Like you're really far away and you don't have any, uh, maybe they got, you know, 50 cows and they can outrange anything you got, right? Right. So maybe you want to get them off of that road into a smaller, more condensed area where it's going to be harder for them to get out of. So you try to, uh, you block that, the main road and try to get them off onto a side road. And then you can then use another obstacle to stop them on the side road and then have a more effective ambush there. And you might have to do that a couple of times to get them to the area that you want them to go to. And they may not actually take the roads that you want them to go. They may just backtrack and just cancel their movement altogether, which if they do that, then that's when you could hit them with uh, the ambush like starting at the rear because then they, they have to go forward or something like that maybe. Um that's in an ambush scenario. If you're just trying for pure defensive, then you've got to look at the most likely avenues of approach. And wherever right. your most likely avenue of approach is, that's where you want to put your obstacles at. And any obstacle that you put needs to be under observation. Because if you don't have somebody watching it, then it's just a matter of time before somebody's going to breach it. And if, if you're right. not watching it, you're not going to be aware that they're breaching it. And then like they'll just go through it and you won't even know that somebody has breached the fence and they're sneaking up on your house or your homestead right. or wherever you're at. What do you, what do you mean when you're talking about uh, like setting in a vehicle or blocking road with a vehicle? So what are things that people can do? Cause you know, if you just park a vehicle in front, you know, someone can, you know, bump the door, throw a neutral and you know, away it goes. Well, uh, if you're trying to make it a permanent one, say so something that you're not going to, you're not going to move that vehicle out of the way like yourself anytime. So like you, you're parking the vehicle there and you don't ever want it to move. Then get like a backhoe or a dozer or something like that and dig out just a small little area about the size of the vehicle, right? And, uh, you know, uh, not parallel, uh, perpendicular to the path of travel where you, uh, that you're trying to block. And then you drive it down into that hole and then you backfill it backfill it in and then that will help lock that vehicle into place and they're not going to be able to just come bump it and push it neutral and move it out of the way um okay or and if you really want to take it to another level you can roll the windows down and fill that some gun full of dirt and it's gonna be really hard to move then oh yeah right goodness what about something on like a highway highway highways are hard because a lot of the time like your main highways they keep the road, uh, keep the woods fairly far away from it. So, like, like, an abattis, like we talked about before, that's going to be a lot harder to use unless you just have some giant trees that you, if you fill them, they're going to reach right. all the way across. Which I mean, yeah. it is a possibility. You know, d- uh, depends on you know your area, but mm-hmm. so you're almost going to have to need either heavy equipment that can dig up the asphalt and and really dig you a nice good uh, ditch. Or some kind of explosives to, to blow through the asphalt and then blow out a, a big enough crater in the road to block it. Um, you can put up some uh, a, a wire obstacle across a road if you really wanted to, but chances are you're not uh, you're going to have to anchor it down just on either sides of the pavement and then uh, stretch wire across the road like a triple strand Constantine fence or something like that. But you're not going to be able to have it as rigid as you would like it to be unless you like have somebody out there with a pickaxe 
digging holes for you to put your fence post in through the asphalt or concrete or wherever you have you. I mean, if it's a concrete road, like a lot of highways, they're not, they're not actually asphalt. They're actually legit concrete. You're going to need a shape, a shape charge to punch through that. You're not going to, like, you might bust through it with a pickaxe, but somebody's going to be really tired at the end of the day. Yeah. What about just using a decent amount of explosives and blowing probably some of the supports on one end? Would that just drop that highway a little bit just so they can't use it? Yes. Um, you would need a fairly uh, high REF explosive to do uh, to do that. So it's going to have a have a high shatter factor. So like tannerite is uh, ammonium nitrate and aluminum. It's it's also called ammonal. It's <clears throat> that does not have a very high REF. So it, it it detonates at a lower velocity. So it has more of a pushing effect than it does like that hammer blow shatter break stuff effect. C4 gotcha. has that more hammer blow, right? We're going to break stuff thing. So you would need access to something that's going to have a, a that high impulse hit is what you're going to need if you want to start taking out supports. Um, I mean, if you got enough of the tannerite, like, or, or ammonium nitrate or anything like that, you know, sure. Like, Timothy McVeigh used a buttload of ammonium nitrate with uh, diesel fuel that has a very low REF, but if you get enough of it, it's still going to do the job. So you might be able to get by with using the lower one, but you're going to need a buttload of it. And so you're going to need a lot of, uh, you need a way to transport it there. It's not going to be something that you're just going to pack in to be able to take out that support. You might damage the support and then it might give way once somebody travels across it. But if you're trying to take it out as an obstacle that somebody sees before they uh, drive across it and stops before they get to it, then you're going to need more of it. Because if you just weaken it, sure, it might give way whenever an enemy is going to cross it, but it might also give way when a civilian is going to cross it that you don't want to hurt. Right. Yeah. Is there a way to supercharge that in a factor, like turn it into a shape charge? So, I don't know if y'all know the channel Ordnance Lab. Uh, on YouTube, they they are actually they do a lot of legal explosives and do a lot of videos on them. They actually tried to do a shape charge with ammonium uh, with a tannerite, which has ammonium nitrate in it. <clears throat> Could not get it to lens correctly mm. because it one ammonium nitrate is very large grains. Like like if you, I don't know if you've ever bought tannerite or looked at it, but it's like the the big white. Uh, spheres, right. that's ammonium nitrate. So it's very large grain, so you can't get it compacted enough for whenever it detonates for it actually lends your material, your liner, for it to go through and give you that punch. That's what shape charges are. This, the shape charge isn't so much an, a shaping an explosive wave. It shapes the penetrator that punches through stuff. The penetrator is your uh, the liner, which is usually copper, but you, you can use other metals too for it. Like you can even use glass. That's what a lot of like the improvised shape charges use is they use a glass liner. So it's like a like a wine bottle that has a divot in it or whatever. It uses that glass liner to shape it, and it and it uh, turns that glass liner into a jet of glass, which will cut through stuff. Interesting. Yeah, and terrifying. I was gonna say other you know if anyone wants to practice some chemistry, TM thirty one two ten. Yeah. If you want to play with you know different RF factors. Oh yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff in that, that one you can get to. Um, the one thing that one doesn't cover is how to make actual RDX, which is the 
primary ingredient for a lot of your high ref explosives it tells you how to recover rdx from c4 but if if i found a satchel of c4 i'm not i'm just going to use the c4 i'm not going to try to render it down to rdx yeah yeah that's fair yeah there's on the i was just gonna say on the uh topic of shape charges i had a question from ig a guy asked me well, I shared something, a post on IG, and it was talking about a guy filling the cavity in his front door with water mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, breach charge, if one were to be laid on his front door, would be redirected back at the attacker. So, what say you, Critter? Would that work? Maybe. It depends. Because from what I know of water and shape charges, the very, very limited experience I had in Afghanistan, the idea makes sense, but I just don't know if like the volume of water okay. would be enough. So if you put a if they put a shape charge on your door, that water is not going to do jack. Because what the shape charge is doing, once again, is it's creating a, a basically either a slug or a jet that's going to punch through. Okay, so if they put a shape charge on it, they're not. Like they're not trying to. If somebody puts a shape charge on your door, they're not trying to breach your door. They're trying to kill what's ever behind the door. Okay, a breaching charge that this might work against is what we call a water charge. So you take an IV bag or just a big plastic bag filled full of water, and put a a, a a single strip of deck cord on the back of it. And then when that deck cord goes off, the reason this works is water is, for our intents and purposes, incompressible. I mean, on the atomic level, yes, you can compress it a little bit. But for our intents and purposes, water does not compress. So when that deck cord goes off, it turns that water into a sledgehammer, and it will, it's literally like doing, like having somebody come up there with a sledgehammer and knocking your door open with that, except for just way stronger than what anybody, except for maybe the mountain off Game of Thrones can, sw- uh, can swing a sledgehammer, you know, and knock the door in. That's what that does. So that filling the door with water and using, uh, if they use that kind of charge to try to blow your door in, yes, that one might theoretically work. Um, if somebody goes up and they just put a uh, deck cord on the hinges of the door and Same on the, thing. and on the locking mechanism, that's going to bypass the water in the door anyway. So that's not going to matter. Or if they put a donut charge on and try to blow out the locking mechanism, that's, that's not going to work. Um, and, but also you have to think about the practicality of this because your door would have to one be watertight. If you right. pour water in there, it's either going to just immediately flood out or it's going to have a slow leak and it's just going to, you're just going to put water all over your floor. If you had a watertight door and you filled everything full of water, then you better not live up north where you get really cold winters because mm. the water is going to freeze and then it's going to jack up your door and you're going to be replacing a door. And not only that, now you also have a really heavy door. So, so yeah, that's going to be a really heavy door with that amount of water in there. Yeah. That's fair. So, I mean, it might work for one charge. It's not going to work for everything that they can throw at it. Not not the efficient way to do it. No. Yeah, because okay. I can remember, what, about a decade ago or something, that show Future Weapons? They had a dude on there who made essentially shape charges, or breaching charges, rather, with water on the backside. Mm-hmm. And it would just blow straight through. It would be a weak charge, but then you put the water behind it and directs it straight forward. It just blows out that wall like nothing's so- there. If if I'm thinking of what you're thinking of, when you have you have the water on the backside of the explosive and the explosive on, in contact, that's right. called tamping. Okay. Tamping. Okay. 
that is called tamping. If we do, like say if I'm uh uh I'm putting a block of TNT up against a concrete wall. TNT yeah. is not going to have a TNT has a decent REF, but it's uh, it's not having any any liner. That's that's the key for a shape for a quote unquote uh, by the books shape charge. Oh crap! Hold on one second. Sorry, computer tried to restart itself. <coughs> um, so that liner is the key f- for a shape charge because then the, the explosive shapes that liner into either a jet or a projectile that's going to penetrate armor. That's the key for a shape charge. With the, having something on the backside of it, that's tamping it, and that increases the effectiveness of uh, the explosive. It's going to have it's going to help direct that shock wave a little bit. I mean, this, the explosive is still going to try to put all its energy out in every direction, but having something on the back end will help keep it contained a, l- a little bit and push it more towards what you want to go. So you can either like pack it with dirt, pack it with water, anything like that will help uh, increase the effectiveness of a smaller charge. So like if you're blowing stumps out of the ground, whatever, like using the, the farmer's back explosives, you dig a hole under the stump, throw dynamite down there, run your fuse up the hole and then pack that hole back down with dirt and then light the fuse because that will increase the if you just leave it with a hole open with open air then most of the force of explosive is going to come right back out the hole you dug whereas then you fill it in with dirt it's going to do what you want it to do and blow the stump up out of the uh, out of the ground nice nice well also it almost makes me think of um like the mechanics of uh blowback operated right Mm -hmm. Right, just utilizing that that explosive, you know, the the expanding gas. Yep. Cool. Well, what do you have to? What kind of ideas? So for you know, in the in the offense, so you know, routing, you know, routing people. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about using vehicles, using trees, uh, you know, destroying structures or uh, infrastructure. What? What would there be different, if anything, in the defense? So, defense is is different because one, you have more time to prepare, so you can get better obstacles because you're not trying to sit there and get it in there before somebody comes in, right? You're still the concept is really still the same because you're still trying to set up an ambush. You're just trying to set up an ambush where you live. If you think right. about it, you're not you're not going out setting up an ambush. You're setting up an ambush for anybody that's coming in. <clears throat> to a place that you don't want them to be at. So the concept is still going to be the same. You're still going to need to know what direction they're most likely going to come from. That's where you want to focus most of your efforts at, and that's where you and you're going to want to put your most casually produ- or producing weapon on that lane. So you're slowing them down and making them be exposed to that most casually producing weapon for a longer period of time. Um, you can try to zigzag wire. Um, because that's the other thing is if you can, if you just put just straight wire up, they're like, oh, well, here's, they don't want me to go here. Let me, uh, I, I'll either need to go around this because I don't have the ability to, to to breach it, or I can go ahead and stop here, wait, and then bring something up to breach it. Whereas if you have your wire kind of going at all kind of different angles and offsets and shoots and stuff, it's a little bit harder for them to find the entrance and to find, to realize that they're being channeled. Whereas if you, uh, so... If you just got a nice square, then you're like, okay, well, they don't want me to go here, or they want, they're want they trying to get me to go this way, I will go this way. 
Whereas, like I said, if it's a little bit more random, a little bit more star-shaped, where you have like some going in, then coming back out, then going back in and coming back out, they might think there's an entrance somewhere and try to go through that way and then come and find out, oh, there's not an entrance there, and now I'm being shot at from three different directions. And so for anti-personnel specifically, you talked a lot about wire, mm -hmm. right? So sea wire, barbed wire. Uh, in the past, we talked about uh, minefields or uh, the idea of minefields, right? Uh, you know, the deception of having minefields, so unearthing dirt, you know, posting signs, things like that, you know, to, you know, like you said, canalize or just to deny, you know, certain areas. Um, always keeping things under observation and then, you're preparing your most casualty producing weapon to have the most time on target. Mm -hmm. So where, what do vehicles change in that, uh, in that scheme in, in those plans? So, because most, you know, most people like, you know, say we're not talking about like, um, you know, like upbuilt infrastructure. So like law enforcement departments are like, uh, you know, or like military, but you know, say more, more, uh, like Somali technicals, not amateur kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so, um, with wire like that, you're still going to be an effective obstacle against most civilian vehicles like that. Like if somebody starts rolling up with M wraps or like some heavier duty stuff or uh, some heavy equipment, like some like somebody's got a kill dozer or something, you know, like kill. If somebody rolls up right. on you with a kill dozer, you better have some good anti tank ditches. That's really about the only kind yeah. of obstacle you're going to have that's going to stop that. Um, maybe, <clears throat> maybe a really strong abatis or something like that. But it's it's a dozer. It's meant to go through stuff. It's, somebody rolls up yeah. on you with a kill dozer. It's going to be a bad day unless you've got some way of shooting shaped charges at it. Okay, that's just the way it is. But as far as like technicals and stuff, like triple strand sea wire is going to stop a, a, your standard pickup truck. Like it will wrap around the axle and it will stop that truck. Now, if you have like three or four hit in the same area and they just ram it, one of them might get through, depending on how how good you bit, uh, built your sea uh, uh, wire. But uh, for the most part, your wire obstacles are still going to be strong. Now, if you have just like a simple four-strand cattle fence, then yeah, they're going to plow right through that. Okay, um, that'll stop most infantry, but yeah, uh, vehicles can breach that a little bit easier. But that's where you mix in uh, ditches and uh, other things, I mean, you could also try right behind your uh, cattle fence, trying to put uh, a fence post at, say, like a 45-degree angle to the ground. Mm -hmm. So then if they get through the fence and they run into a fence post behind it, that's probably going to stop them or at least make them a lot slower than what they were before. Or right. depending on the size of the fence, fence posts, deploy airbags. Like if, you've, if it's just a little standard metal T-post, it's probably going to stick into something it shouldn't, like maybe a radiator or whatever, and they might still be able to run for a little bit, but eventually it'll go down. But you get like a good, you know, inch, two-inch wooden post in there, it's probably going to deploy airbags if they hit that. So it's going to depend on, the, like, like I said, your fence and how you built it. Um, okay. You also talked about, like, um, like submerging or, you know, digging in tires. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> if you got, like, some big uh, heavy equipment tires bury them about halfway uh, down and you're going to stop like pretty much any vehicle that's out there. Um, it's not going to be able to just come through and hit that and knock it over. Um, like I said, heavy equipment might be able to get it or somebody, if they roll a thing and backhoe up there to it and 
use the uh, the back arm to pull it up or dig it dig it out themselves. Right. Like if they're doing that, then you should have that backhoe under a lot of heavy fire. And unless they've got it armored up, then they're probably going to have a bad day of trying to do that. Um, that's that's where you need to have observation and stuff like that. Hey, we got something coming over here. We need to bring a heavier weapon to counter this. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Go go buy Wild Arms Research and Development on a book on the Panzerfaust and, and and look into that for taking out killdozers. I was gonna say, yeah, Panzerfaust, or if you can get a hold of it, like an AT4. Yep. Yeah, that would be a real bad day for somebody. Yeah. I was gonna say, I love the work that guy's doing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah the the Panzerfaust, the Fliegerfaust. The uh, M202 Flash, he's, he's doing all kinds of homemade stuff, man. That's awesome. He's actually working on, I don't know how closely y'all follow him, but he's working on something for uh, trying to make a civilian-produced hyper-velocity missile, which is like the military uh, used this back in the 70s. It's mostly used for like helicopter and stuff. So it's like a missile that just basically just has a really big rocket engine in it. No explosive warhead. Or nothing like that. It's just using pure velocity to punch through armor, and he and I I get where he's coming from because like most civilians are not going to make the explosives for a shape charge for like to make a Panzerfaust or something like that actually viable. Right. But with civilian rocket motors and stuff, that's what he's looking into. I, mean, I don't want to give too much away of his stuff, but that's what he's that's what his next project is is trying to make using civilian producible rocket engines to make a missile go fast enough to go through armored vehicles. So I was going to say mass and speed. Yep. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's how, that's why uh 55 grain um, coming out of a 20 inch barrel will defeat level three steel armor because the level three steel, armor, it, it, I used to think actually that it was um, the bullet flying through, but actually I can't remember who it was. Shared it. If I find it again, I'll send it to you. But uh, it's actually not the bullet punching through. It's the bullet hitting with so much force that it's creating a shockwave and that breaks off a piece of the metal armor about the size of the bullet. And then that's what goes through the target behind it. Oh, Goodness. yeah. That's worse. <laughs> <laughs> Get killed by your own protection. Yeah, absolutely. Jeez. Well, you know, what I was thinking, too, you know, just speaking of what people already have, freaking how many people have 12 gauge for hunting deer? Mm-hmm. The slugs. Like, well, uh, for mass and speed, baby. Well, for uh, <laughs> steel for, or mostly like uh, your steel armor, um, that would still probably be effective because it's not going to go through it, but it's going to create so much frag. That's why steel armor is terrible. Like, I do not advocate oh, yeah, for anybody small, wearing yeah. wearing steel armor. You're going to catch like you're going to catch frag to your uh, your neck and your nuts. So, I, like ceramics <laughs> are better. Like, and you use like level four ceramics. It's going to catch a level. It's going to catch us. Uh, 12 gauge slug um, it's going to hurt but it's, it's still going to catch it you're probably not going to have life threatening injuries from it at least from what I've uh, researched on um, but there are some people out there I don't know if y'all know the uh, channel Taflodermis if I'm saying that right mm-hmm. no. I'll, I'll send you a link later but uh, they get all kinds of weird and wacky 12 gauge slugs that people like homebrew and make for them and they're always trying to get it to penetrate armor and stuff so yeah, I'll send you a link for that. That's uh, that's, that's some fun times of watching weird and crazy stuff that people come up with. Like, there's like people putting like drill bits and twelve gauge slugs, trying to get them to penetrate the armor oh, and stuff. Dude. And dude, I I love I love twelve gauge. Like I've seen like specialty grounds that are just magnesium flakes. Mm-hmm. 
and they're like, hey, watch it fall like a hundred feet of just fire. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Nass people. Like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. My- well, I'm just like, and think about that, right? So, you know, talking about air denial. Like, yeah, you're not going to pass it, I feel, if it's on freaking fire now. Mm-hmm. Like, well, okay, there is a charge, uh, I can't remember if it's, maybe it's in TM31-210, uh, or it might be in uh, TM5-34, I can't remember. But it, it is in one of the uh, field manuals. Basically, you take a uh, 55-gallon drum, and at the base of it, you put, I believe it's a pound of TNT. And then you fill the drum with jellied gasoline, however you want to make your napalm mixture. Basically, that's all you're doing is your napalm mixture. And then you have a, uh, a f- timed flare at the front of it so that whenever you set it off, the TNT kicks the jellied gasoline up into the air, and the flare ignites it, and then you have nice burning napalm over a huge wide area. But usually that's about 50, 55 gallons of it if you completely fill the drum. I love that so much. We're talking about cool stuff. Were you, uh, what was it called that you sent me? It's in TM31 210, but it's the, uh, what is it, where you have flour or sawdust in a container above your charge? That is a, um, I want to say powder initiator. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, powder. Yeah, right. it's basically like you can take a tuna can, fill it full of uh, TNT, put it under or or C four works too, and you put it like say five pounds of flour on top of it, and whenever it ignites, it throws the flour up into the air, and as uh, once the flour reaches the right uh, density, it can actually ignite and then creates a secondary explosion and this very high pressure and also will burn up a lot of oxygen in an area. It's very effective for taking down buildings. Like, you, like, it looks cool when it's not in an enclosed area, but if you can put it in an enclosed area, it will knock walls down. Like, it, like if somebody's in that building, it's going to rupture eardrums. Uh, going to be very disorienting. Yeah, wow. that's essentially what a oh, what is that called? A fuel air explosive, a fuel mm-hmm. air bomb. Yep, the same thing that the the thermobaric rockets that. Uh, the Russians are notorious for using, and like they cause a lot of bad burns and stuff. The same thing. It's just using throwing fuel. You don't have to use flour. You can use powdered aluminum. Powdered aluminum will probably actually be better than flour because aluminum just burns, which is why it's also in uh, in thermite and in thermite, yeah, right. it's also used in uh, the tannerite and stuff like that. So powdered aluminum, powdered flour, like anything powdered that you can get a really fine powder in is probably going to burn. Like I think the original. Um, video that I sent you about that in was there were some guys they had like a commercial uh, artillery shell uh, firework you know what I'm talking about like the ones that you put in little cardboard tubes and they go boop shoot yeah. up and then yeah. blow up in the air well they have two charges mm-hmm. right. so you got the black powder charge on the base that actually kicks it and that's what launches it in the air well they had had the the artillery shell firework whatever you want to call it uh, not in a tube put it in like a little um like the underpass for like a bridge or something and it's like fairly enclosed and whenever the black powder charge kicked off it threw all the uh, dirt and dust in the in the area up into the air and then when the secondary when the main charge went off it ignited all of it and created a huge shock wave 
that like knocked a bunch of them down and stuff. But luckily, they were out of. They were not in the tur- tunnel. If they had been in the tunnel, several of them would probably be deaf. But if if not worse. But wow. Yeah, that's all it takes, man. And were you t- were you telling me about like with those um. What do you call them, like thermobaric bombs? Were you talking to me about firestorms? Where if enough of if you fired off enough of them, it would create its own like wind channel and just feed the fire. Uh, that wasn't. More. No, I don't think that was me. I know that was something they tried to do when they were uh, in World War Two. They were like firebombing uh, Japan, like Dresden. Yeah, oh, and Dre- they yeah. did Dresden and Japan. And uh, fun fact about that, like. Uh, Japan was so used to getting firebombed when they dropped the first atomic bomb, they didn't. They thought it was just another firebombing at first. They just thought it was just a really bad firebombing. No yeah, they have like uh, accounts of like the reports they sent in. They thought it was just another really bad firebombing until they got more people out and they realized, oh no, this is something different. Wow. Yeah. Which I mean, there's also the fire bat bombs that uh, the U.S. tried to oh, use in World God. War Two. You know about those? Yeah. I've never heard of that. So Fire really, bat bombs. so oh, they ha- so you know bats. If you let them out during the day, they want to go try to find somewhere like dark to hide. To hide. So they oh, had the theory of oh, dropping all these yeah. bats over Japan, which they had all these like paper and wooden houses, and they had small incendiary devices on mm-hmm. them. So they were hoping they would go and hide in the houses, and then the incendiary device would go off and set the houses off. It didn't work very well because the bats weren't big enough to car- carry a charge. I mean, they tried it, but it just didn't work. Because the charges wasn't Dude. big enough to do what they wanted it to do, but I mean, if you could get something compact enough that the bat could carry, that would do it. Then yeah, it, that'd be terrible. But well, I remember too. They didn't they do the same same sort of idea with pigeons. Mm, I can't remember. They put charges yeah. on pigeons and would release them from the, you know, from their vessels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do a bunch of crazy stuff for that. Like uh. I can't remember if it was the Russians or the Germans that did this. They tried to make dogs. I think it was the Russians. And then they would like strap like an anti-tank bomb to them. And they were hoping they were training the dogs to go run under tanks. And then they would set the charge off once they ran under a tank. Well, the problem the Russians had was they trained them against, guess what? Russian tanks. So when they released them, they, they released them out against the field instead of running under all the German tanks. Where they go all run to go hide? They ran ran to hide under the uh, the Russian tanks, and they had a timer on them and blew up Russian tanks. This is why Russia's in the shape they're in right now. They're blowing up dogs. Come on. Yep. That. Oh my gosh, that is. That's sad and hilarious at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I knew exactly where you're going. It's like, well, yeah. What, what are they train them on? Freaking. Russian tanks. Yep. Goodness. Yep. Man. Okay. What about... So, what about... Yeah, we're talking about the defense. What about actual structural fortification? Because I'm seeing a lot more posts on, um, like, subterranean warfare, you know, because we're seeing a lot more trench Mm -hmm. Warfare with you know Russia Ukraine. I've seen a lot of posts on like actual like if you have to go into a tunnel system or you know things like that because we're moving a little bit more in that direction. 
but where because I know that engineering you know you know covers a vast you know vast swath in that direction as well. Mm-hmm. But starting with you know trenches, what do you have to say around that? So I mean trenches are here to stay. I mean like. World War One is famous for trench warfare, but like we've been using trenches for longer than that. Just digging fighting positions and having something be a little bit more survivable, right? Um, there is a post I shared by these, uh, I believe they're um, Danish. It's like, hold on, let's see if I can find it. But uh, they did like a fighting position uh thing where they made a very very good like this is like they you know a very good deliberate fighting position where they had you know lots of sandbags they had wood frame re- uh reinforcement here it is that was the one where it was like almost invisible yeah once they got done with I it that. Yeah. yeah 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 like uh yeah combat underscore engineer underscore dk i believe they're danish uh, y'all want to go check out their story? Whoever listened to the thing, they have a very good post on a fighting position. I mean, this is like, like you know, they got battery powered skill saws out there cutting uh, four by fours and stuff to make these positions. Lots and lots of sandbags. You know, on uh, the previous episode, I talked about, um, you know, your standard engineer probably needs to carry at least a minimum of 20 sandbags with him, and probably every other minute man needs to carry right. at least 10. This is why, because they use a bunch of sandbags. Like, you even if you had like a squad carrying that, that wouldn't be enough sandbags to do what they what they did in that post. It's very extensive and like sandbags are great for for reinforcing stuff, but you do need a lot of them if you're going specifically to make something like this is good for like if you're in the defense where you have access to I can bring all my tools out, I can make a really good fortified fighting position, almost like a bunker thing. Then you can build you a wood frame that a good solid one out of like four by fours and two by sixes or whatever to hold the weight. And have plenty of overhead cover so that, hey, if a mortar lands on top of us, we're probably still going to be okay. I mean, like, we might have to get out of the position after that, but we're probably still going to be, be alive and be able to move to another position. Um, now, you get a 155 yeah. drop on you, you're probably done for. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot we can do about that. Um, no. Well, tools, too. I, that's why I love seeing just the, the greater and greater prevalence of... Uh, like battery operated, so like uh, the Milwaukee, like their M18 mm-hmm. series, or I know Craftsman makes them, or just okay. like all these tools that you know used to have to be wired. You know now we have batteries that can that can handle yeah. us, and you have some crazy capability just with minimal size. Well, there's also there's two pieces of kit that I want to, or two thing, two tools that I want to add to my kit. Um, one is the Demos. It's like D-M-O-S Delta Shovel. It's this, uh, it, it's a full-size shovel, but it like collapses down and folds down into a package that's, that's like, it's a little bit bigger than an E-Tool. Like, it's probably about like one to two feet long and maybe, I don't know how wide it is. It's, it's, it compacts down fairly compact. And then there's also the, uh, the Silky Saw Katana Boy 500, which is the 500 mil, uh, millimeter long blade. That's very. That's a little bit over, like a eight, I think it's like 19 inches total length. So you can do probably 80 percent of what a 18 inch chainsaw can do with that. I mean, granted, you're using muscle power instead of, you know, so you're not going to do yeah. it as fast. But 
there's I've watched several reviews of it and like there's guys cutting through like two three inch trees and like six strokes with it. So it like yeah, those silkies yeah, fly. Yeah, it goes quick nice. and. Uh, having a saw that you can like make a semi-precise cut on instead of having to use an axe or whatever is that is outstanding in the field. Even if you're just trying to like use it to build a small shelter to make your shelter a little bit better, you know, making that precise cut instead of having to like hack at it with a with a hatchet or machete or whatever. It's a lot more efficient oh, yeah. too, right? And both of those are about two hundred fifty dollars a piece, so. I just ordered a thousand rounds of nine mil and then had everything in the house break. But uh so it's gonna be a minute and all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, how are you guys how are you guys doing? You guys doing oh yeah, okay? we're doing good now. My well's going a lot better than it has been. Uh, I think we had a crack okay. in that pipe. Because uh for people that don't know, I had sinking my well go out, the AC went out, and my fridge went out all within like two days of each other. And the uh well ended up being there was a crack in the pipe at the very bottom of the well, right above the, uh, the pump itself is probably about three inches long and it was just spewing water out. It's probably been that way since we moved in. Cause we've had water pressure issues like the whole time we've been here and it's just been getting worse and worse. And finally got to where it just wouldn't run at all. Place that. And we've got the best water pressure we've ever had. And it had awesome. to spend $1,300 on a uh, new fridge. Cause lightning just fried everything on it. Compressor was dead. Fan was dead. Motherboard was fried. Is it was just shot, so that was that was yeah. fun, and it, it killed the motherboard on our AC. That was about a two hundred and thirty-five dollars to get that fixed, but yeah. So it was, you know, when it rains, it pours. Of course, it was right after I ordered ammo. I was like, man, I kind of wish I hadn't ordered that ammo now because I could I could throw that towards some of this other stuff. But you know, it is what it is. We we'll live, get through it all, yeah. get straightened out. Yeah, because I don't know if you mentioned it, but yeah, you guys got hit by lightning. Yeah. Yeah, we got hit, uh, we had really bad lightning storm. Like the day that it happened, I didn't realize that everything that it had got everything yet because like I didn't realize the fridge was dead until like the freezer started uh, thawing out and I was getting water all on the floor. I was like, what the crap? But like the day it happened, like it had been thundering and lightning a lot, and I stepped outside on the porch once it moved off a little bit, but it was still close enough. I could just sit there and watch, and it, the lightning just never stopped. It was just like racing back and forth across the sky. And it was so much that you never heard like a distinct thunder punt, like you know, like that little clap of thunder. Just constantly, yeah, going. like nothing. It was just a constant roar. It sounded like jets were flying over the house. I was like, "Oh my god, Mother Nature, you scary, dude!" Man, we got it bad one time when we were in training. I was, uh, I was on radio guard one night, and you know we had, you know, all our trucks are a little position, but then we had like the talk that we had to walk to in between, mm-hmm. and it got to my shift. Different story six, um, okay. but went and I was walking there and I didn't even need my my red light because the lightning was striking just wham 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 and I could just walk like no lights nothing I was like oh this sucks all right <laughs> and then I don't know if it was the same field problem or, or a different one but we were all bed down and went to sleep and you know you hear thunder far off but didn't hit us yeah like, okay. Woke up at midnight and it was just pouring, just like pissing rain, like lighting. I was like, oh, that sucks. And I pulled my baby over my head and went back to sleep. Yep. Then I woke up at five with water pouring into my bivy, like just absolutely soaked, completely drenched, like in, in a pool. And I stick my head out. Like, what the hell? I stick my head out. Everyone's gone. 
and it's the lightning still just crashing like every few seconds. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And I grab my rifle and I run to the wood line. And I'm like, where the hell is everybody? I run over to my truck. Everybody's asleep. <laughs> and they're like, Seven, you you were still out there? Yeah, I was still out yeah, there. You didn't grab me? Come on. Nobody grabbed me. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to freaking die out there. Drowning your yeah. own bivy cover. Yeah, get struck by lightning. Freaking fried. That, that reminds me, it was probably my second field op with the Mew. I had uh, Firewatch. And, you know, I was out there on Firewatch duty, whatever, and. It was flooding. I'm out. It was like we had a little bit of lightning, but it was mostly just a bunch of rain. I remember me and my buddy sitting there watching, and uh, the officers, of course, they didn't put up their own GP tent. You know, somebody else put it up for them. Well, whoever put it up for them did not put it up that great because the water come through, and like the stakes started coming out of the ground, and like they were outside trying to put their tent back together, like in the middle of the storm. Out, and we just stood over there in our little firewatch hut, like, nope. That's funny. We're not coming to help, though. Y'all have fun with that. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, yeah. sir. Please don't hold on to the pole. Yeah. You have fun with that, <laughs> you sir. You guys had a college education. Yeah. We'll see y'all put this thing back together. They got it back up, but it it took them a while. <laughs> it was a good night. Oh, my gosh. I think one of the most depressing things in my Army career was watching people try to put together a tent. Yeah. I was like, y'all are... Y'all are something. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I don't I, know what you are. You're something, though. I remember watching him do that. I, I was like, I'm not helping you. You know, have fun, but I'm not going to help you. Look, it's not my fault that your dad didn't take you camping. Okay, figure it out. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have to say, uh, Z over at First AEF. We went on a little. Uh, me and uh, my buddy went on a little camping trick with them. Uh, hiked up uh, the Penhody Trail up in the Appalachians and. Do a little camping out there. I learned which form of shelter I will not be using next time. I I tried. I oh. brought my uh, you know, my nice little Marpat tarp and everything. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll try just a little L-shaped thing. I'll you know have it staked in the ground and stake it this way and then stake mm-hmm. it that way, and you know that'll yeah. be decent enough cover. I can get up in the corner of it and it'll keep me dry. I mean, it kept me dry, but it did not keep my gear dry. And then once I had to get up mm-hmm. for fire watch in the middle of the night then it did not then i was no longer dry and then i just it was just terrible i was like i'm going to the just a little a-frame style next time where i can just like have it wedged in the middle and crawl under that little tunnel like the l thing did not work but z helped me uh learn a few knots and tricks and stuff of helping set that up a little bit better than what i was initially going to so big shout out to big That's shout good. out to z over at uh, first af he's a good guy he's also the one that runs uh uh, Paxton Creek Supply. So if y'all want some surplus, go hit them up. Yeah, I. I think we used tents one time and it didn't work at all. Like immediately we flooded and it's like, well, now we have to back up the tent tomorrow. That's like tripling the out weight. Oh yeah. And no one's gonna dry it out when we get back to base, so it's gonna get you know black mold and everything else. Like this is just. Oh yeah. This is horrible, guys. Horrible. That hike out <laughs> like everything sucked. else we had. That, the, where that little camping trip we did with the first AF, that hike out sucked because I tried to squeeze out as much water out of my sleeping bag as I could, but you can't get it all out, you know? So, like, my sleeping bag yeah. pro- is probably carrying, like, you know, five, ten pounds of water in my pack on top mm. of everything else being wet. This is... We got out, but it was... It was, uh... It was an adventure getting out. Yeah. Especially walking them dang goat trails. Stuff. 
does. Break your freaking ankle over there. But I did yeah. roll the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah. God. I remember you messaged me during all that. Yeah. Had to get a new pair of boots. Yeah, freaking boots fell apart the night before, yeah. and then like a mile in on the on the hike in, rolled my ankle, and they're like, do we need to stop? I was like, no, if I stop, it's just going to hurt more. Just keep going. Do we have to stop? No. No, we don't. So let me let me Duct see if I can put. Up. Let me can use some Tylenol though. Let me see if I can put weight on it. I can put weight on. It. Okay, we're good. Keep going. Golly, man. Yeah, uh, a few a few rolls of Ace Rack goes a long way. Yeah, I meant to do that like when we camped, and I never did. I just kept kept walking on it. Just, yeah, when I was growing up, I had weak ankles, so I was in. I was really active. I was in sports and everything, but my ankles were constantly wrapped because I just I'd be walking, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> just roll the crap out of it on even ground. Like what? What's wrong with me? Yep, you're you're a lanky kid. That's what's wrong with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> your yeah. bite doesn't work. Thankfully, I don't. Like, it'd been a couple months back. It might have been last year actually. I was just walking out in the yard and I just caught a. Uh, a hole in the yard the wrong way and I rolled it. I, it felt the exact same way as when I rolled it on that uh, mountainside and I rolled it and I hit the ground and I was like, mm. I hurt. And I was like, um, is it broke? And I was like, I literally just YouTube, like how to tell if your ankle is broken. And like, I, I did that little, uh, I finally did that check. I was like, okay, it's not broke. Okay, stand up, walk. Okay, it hurts, but I can make through it. So then when it actually happened on the trail, thankfully, I was like, oh, this felt exactly the same way. Let me see if I can put weight on it. Okay, I can put weight on it. We can keep going. All right, keep trucking. Not broken. <laughs> yes, not next. Not, not broken. Keep walking. <laughs> It'll get better eventually. Oh man, probably, probably one of the scariest things my son has done. This was when he was still little. Probably, probably two, and we were playing out in the backyard, and he just ate it in a pothole. Like his right leg <laughs> just went down, and then he was just laying on the ground. I'm like oh no. <laughs> Like, hey, pup, you all right? I look, I stand up, and he just falls down again. Oh no! I pick him up and put him down. And he falls down, and it's like, oh crap! <laughs> I bring him inside, and like nothing's nothing's broken or anything. But I'm just like bring him in. I just kind of go through uh, range of motion mm-hmm. on his hips, his knees, his ankle, and then I stand him up again. And then he goes and runs off and plays. I was like. Yeah, but I just put something back. I don't know what the hell I put back, but thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's a resilient. Yeah, they are. Uh, as long oh, as you oh, don't make a jello. big deal out of it, especially my four-year-old. Like, if you make a big deal of it, are you okay? Then the waterworks come. But if you're like, "Hey, bud, you fine? Yeah, I'm good, Daddy. Okay, go play." Yep. Yeah, I'll keep going. My one-year-old. My one-year-old ate it in the tub. Kissed the side of the freaking tub. Chipped a tooth. Oh. Gashed open his lip. And not even a minute. And he was back playing again, like still bleeding. <laughs> I'm like, you monster. Like, you legit chipped a tooth and just ripped open your lip and he's just, yeah, whatever. Yep. And they went to sleep. Nothing, like nothing happened. I was like, what? <laughs> what did I do? What did I do to make such a monster? <laughs> I asked my wife, I'm, I'm just like, why are they like this? It's just like, really? I wonder why they're like this. Oh, yeah. We talked about this a little bit, but now that we have the game together, let's talk through just some general equipment for individuals and teams, right? So you touched on uh, sandbags for, you know, like building up fortifying positions, you know, very, very versatile 
very versatile tool. So e-tools, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, anything to entrench, move dirt, you know, you're going to need that. You know, preferably not the one that's, you know, have, uh, that has those ridges that are going to fail or get marred up by sand. Yep. You know, rip your hands up. But what else can you think? Because we're in, we're in a point right now where I think everybody knows that something's going to happen, but nobody knows when, and we have the time still available with all these resources available that we can, you know, be, you know, moving into a more prepared, uh, you know, well, state of mind and just state of being, right? So people can, people still have time in order to uh, get the equipment that, you know, you would yeah. want. So what would you say for one, the individual, and then two for, you know, people who have, you know, done their due diligence and started, you know, building a team? So first and foremost, in case anybody missed the, the first episode, work gloves. Like, like some legit work gloves, not like your thin little shooting glove that you have. Like that's not going to hold up to the actual work that you're going to need to be doing. Like your simple like little five dollar garden gloves that you can get at Walmart is probably going to be enough for what most people need. Um, I also, when I was like, I was getting more for like tactical applications, like like trying for like we're shooting or whatever. Like it's the uh, mechanics M pack that's spelled M dash P A C T, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been using those, and I've I've had a pair for probably about two and a half three years maybe now and i've been using it using them not just with shooting but also in, like when i have to do work around the, the yard or i've rebuilt our deck a little bit and those have actually helped up pretty good like i've i've used them enough now that i could recommend somebody getting those and using them not just for you know having to oh i have to hold a hot gun but also hey i'm, I'm ready to go to work with these two they're like if you go grabbing a bunch of uh, briars that somebody just cleared out. Yeah, you probably won't have a briar get through the glove. It's probably going to stick you. It's probably going to hurt. But, um, like, it's going to be, like, you can go handle barbed wire with it. It's not going to rip your hands to crap. It's not going to rip the gloves to crap. You can go handle a lot of stuff with it. So if you wanted to go a step above just the garden gloves, maybe you're like, oh, man, that just looks too too cheap or whatever. Okay, go get those. I've, I've used them enough now that I can recommend them. Like the last time we talked, I wasn't, I hadn't used them enough that I could say, "Hey, I, I, I support using these." But like, if somebody asked me, I want some good work, multi-purpose gloves, that would be what I recommend is those Mechanics Impact gloves. Um, but like, if you don't want to be wearing those all the time anyway, just go get the garden gloves at at uh, Walmart that have like little, all the little crazy colors on them. Grab you a can of green spray paint and spray paint in green, and you'll be good to go. Um. Some bolt cutters would be good. Uh, hammer. I, I, anybody that's trying to do anything in engineering, if you don't know how to swing a hammer, you need to start over. Okay? <laughs> you need to know how to swing a hammer and some nails. Okay? Uh, drills. Uh, make quick work of stuff, like drills and screws. Um, some battery-powered circular saws are great. Uh, sawzalls, because they just saw all the things. That's why they call it sawzalls. Uh battery powered power tools period or, or, or just a generally a good idea um, axes yeah. and hatchets um, yeah, just any kind of saw like chop saw like chop saw is not something you're going to take out to the field well I mean if you got a generator you might take it out to the field and set up a, a small little quick impromptu workshop but it's not something that you're going to be carrying on a freaking patrol okay 
Um, but if you're trying to build something or you're trying to set up a defense and you need to set up a, a workshop and have a chop saw so you can sit there and make, say, hey, I got all these 12-foot 2x4s, but I need to cut them all down to 6 feet for this building that we're doing. Hey, you can make you a quick jig, and with a chop saw, you can have those things hammered out like nothing. Um, uh, da, 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 you know, shovels, of course. Uh let me go back, actually. Hey guys, Seven from the Hard Time Strongman Podcast here to bring a quick word from our newest sponsor, Blackbeard Firestarters. We first saw Blackbeard Firestarter a few years ago, and after seeing what the product can do, it's been our kit ever since. Their Firestarter rope and their fire plugs are windproof, waterproof, dummy proof. They have an insane burn time, and like anything else that they offer, it just works. Besides their fire stars, they offer an arc lighter, ferro rod, stormproof matches, basically anything that you need to get a fire started. To better equip you, we cherry picked their inventory and made our hard time strongman fire kit. Basically our essentials kit for anything that you can need to get a fire started. But besides that, they're offering 10% off anything in their store when you use the code STRONGMEN. We love the guys at Blackbeard Firestarter. We love what they're doing. We trust them and we trust their products. And we honestly can't recommend them enough. Make sure to check them out online at blackbeardfire.com or on Instagram at blackbeardfire. Huge shout out to the guys at Blackbeard Fire for working with us and for bringing the fire. As always, guys, stay in the fight. Hey everybody, this is 6 and 7 with the Hard Time Strongman Podcast. We are coming to talk to you about our Patreon and Discord. Hey guys, our patrons get early access to all of our episodes. They get all of our exclusive pre and post shows, all of our spicy takes, all of our rabbit holes that we go on. Everything that we want to include in the episode, but we can't because we need to stay on topic. And soon enough, we will be offering digital downloads, guides, everything that we've been working on in the background will soon be available to our patrons so make sure to check it out and come hang out with us on discord speaking of the spicy stuff this is where we discuss most of it once you're there you'll get access to all of our in-depth discussions including stuff like homesteading fieldcraft medical camping communications shooting you like ars come talk to us about it you like four by four vehicles and prepping come talk to us about it you like tannerite thermite napalm come talk to us about it. all of the campfire talks that would get us kicked off of other platforms it's right there in our Discord. Come join our community. We're active on Discord every day. We're interacting with members constantly. We have guys from every walks of life coming to contribute their expertise to all of these various fields and subjects that we've been talking about. Come join the watch Discord. Come join the Discord. Join our community. Build up that better class of man. Now back to the episode. Okay, so uh, bow saws are also good. Uh, brush hooks. I've got a full size freaking uh, brush hook. It's also called a sling blade or a Kaiser blade. Yes, like the sling blade from the mu- uh, from the movie. And that thing is great for clearing out brush. Like I'm clearing out an area right now with it over around our chicken pens. And dude, I love that thing. Like it's not it's not a razor blade. It doesn't just instantly cut everything down. But it's like it's like a machete on steroids. And because it's got the hook. 
I can swing and it also yeah. clears every like it snatches stuff and moves it out of my way. So I'm not just dropping it, cutting it, and then it's still in my way and I have to reach in and grab it. That's one of the reasons I like brush hooks because I can swing and I can literally mm. not take my hands off the tool, move this stuff out of my way, and keep clearing and keep chopping. So if you're clearing like thick brush, like you're not having to worry about like you know three inch trees or whatever, like just like thick brush that a, a weed eater itself isn't going to get through by itself. Brush hooks are amazing for that. I love me some brush hooks. Um, hatchets, uh, so, uh, shovels, like before I've always said like the smaller D handled shovels, cause I figured those would be easier to pack. And I hadn't heard about that Demos shovel yet. That Demos Delta. I want to get my hands on one of those and try those out. I'm not a hundred percent sure. On them. I, so I can't recommend it a hundred percent, you know, saying, Hey, I've tried this. I know this works, but if you're looking to try something out, they're about $245. Then that's something that you can pack down, and they're popular among the uh, overlanders. So a lot of people like putting them on like their trucks and stuff. But in my opinion, I think it's probably small if I could attach it to my Alice pack. I want to get one and try it out. I, I don't know for sure if it can, so I can't 100% recommend it. But that's something I myself am looking at trying. And that's something that, that gives okay. you a full size shovel that you can pack down, and you can collapse it down and attach it inside of your pack, and don't have to worry about it getting hung up on a bunch of stuff. Um, weed. Yeah, let's see what else. Um, post hole diggers are great, especially if you're putting in like four by fours or bigger for uh, for your posts. Like mines, yeah, mines also. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. Sandbags, uh, crowbars, um, pickaxes. Pickaxes are freaking fantastic. For digging fighting holes. That's another reason I like that Demo shovel because it's kind of like a um, e-tool in that you can turn the head to the side like that, you know, oh, so, so you nice. have like almost an impromptu pickaxe. But it, nice. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I want to get my hands on one of those. That's probably gonna be, like I, I want that and the and the silky saw katana boy. I'm probably going to lean to the shovel first though, but um, I want to get that and try that out and see how that works. Um, some lineman pliers are great for like uh, it gives you the ability to cut wire, but also like if you're using wire ties to secure something, I, I love lineman pliers for that. Uh, you can just grab it, grab your wire ties, twist it, and it, it'll hold it in place real good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Let me look. I could have sworn there was, I had some pictures somewhere of something. Oh, I, I don't think I'm missing anything. That's that's a good overview of it. If you get like all that stuff, and that's a, that's, that's at least a good starting point. Really, if if right. I was if I had the, all the money in the world to just e equip out some engineers, those folding saws and and folding shovels like that Demos Delta shovel and that silky uh, saw katana wood would be great for like just a general purpose thing to, to issue out to everybody I just I haven't used it yet so I can't fully say hey go get this you know right that's just yeah. letting everybody know that's something I am personally looking at and I want to try out and see if it works nice and then for teams you're oh sorry six no you're good go ahead teams okay i was just saying for for teams you know basically it's just you know volume and and you know more like purpose-built tools right mm -hmm. so 
you know, if you're not just an individual, then, you know, you can have a guy that's, you know, dedicated to a full shovel or, you know, you know, cross-loading sandbags or guys with more specialty type tools. So thing like, you know, breach men with, uh, you know, like full on bolt cutters, things that, you know, you wouldn't want to weigh down, you know, the individual too much, but things that you can push out to, uh, you know, to a team or a squad. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, uh, also like, like some speed squares. Like if you're like trying to build something like say, uh, like that, uh, fighting position that the sinking, uh, the, uh, I can't remember what uh, country they're from, but from that account I was reference, uh, referencing earlier, like you want to square up the building. Like if you don't have it, like you don't have to have it perfectly square, but if you have like a, have the, the roof cockeyed, then you're going to have the weight is not going to be distributed. Right. And like, you have greater chance of that falling on somebody's head. So you have it nice and square and level that gives you better. So speed squares is another good one to have. Um, if you're doing like, Hey, we're bringing a truck in, you know, you can throw like some of these small DeWalt air compressors in and have a small generator in and bring that in and set up you an impromptu construction shop where you can like build stuff and then send it out to, you know, wherever you're building an OP at or something like that. Um, a concrete mixer if you're trying to do any kind of concrete pads it like mixing concrete by hand in a wheelbarrow or with a shovel sucks i've done it it is like you can do it and you can do it well but it is labor and it is labor intensive man i freaking hate it if you can actually get like a concrete mixer or whatever that you can hook up to a generator or have somebody turn by hand or something that's that's a lot better than doing that crap with a shovel and like i mean barring Barring that, you could just get one of those auger bits, one of those long ones, mm-hmm. put it into like a hand drill, and just use that to mix your concrete. Yep. I've done that before. Yeah, you can do that. Um, but when you have a mixer, that's going to what that's going to give you is volume. Like having the auger bit, you're going to be limited to basically about five gallon buckets at a time. Really, I mean, maybe if, depending on the size of your container. Um, and that, but uh, the problem with that is you can burn the crap out of your drill if you do that for a long enough time. So if you're do, if you're mixing like three yards of concrete, maybe it'll make it through it. If you're only mixing like a couple cubic, like say 500 cubic feet or whatever, whatever it is, like less, say half a yard. You're doing half a yard, great, do that, fine, no problem. You're doing like three yards, like you might want to have more than one drill on hand. You, you're probably going to burn it because they're not really meant for that. Or actually, you know what? I'm sorry, I'm thinking wrong. You can do that, and it will go good through all the concrete. Just make sure you have the speed setting right. If you have it on too high of a speed, you will burn that drill out. If you have it on the right speed setting, then you will probably be fine. You just won't be able to make a huge batch all the time. The biggest limiting factor will be the container that you're putting the auger into. So, yes, that is a, that is a very good option there. As long as you aren't, like... You know, some people just turn it all the way up to, to max speed. So oh, I want it to go fast. Okay, well, you're going to burn through a drill. But, Tim Taylor, yeah. though. More power. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love home improvement. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody got that reference. Yes. Thank you. More power. My favorite show growing up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, man. And with all these tools, you really need to know how to use them. Yes. So what are some good skill sets that people or even groups should invest their time in? Um, wood frame construction. So if you know anybody that does, like, like they're building houses, okay? 
something like that. They're doing a bunch of sheetrock, building, uh, throwing up the actual frame of the house, wood frame construction, concrete construction, concrete block construction, uh, masons, like people. They're like they're like uh, they're doing like your bricklaying and stuff like that. You know, that's good to have. Um, a little bit of electrical is good. Like it is not a hundred percent necessary, but having a little bit of electrical is always good. Um, farmers are huge, huge underutilized resources in the tactical community. Not just because of the food they grow, but because guess what? They have to keep their equipment running. They have to do all kinds of stuff. Like my father-in-law is one of the most handy men that I've ever met in my life. And he can, if it's got a motor, he can probably make it run. All right. So being able to repair equipment and keep it running, like, and running, being able to run a backhoe, run a tractor, stuff like that. That is huge force multipliers. If you can have a backhoe, like you can get a, uh, a fighting position done in like five minutes versus three hours. You know, one person, one right. person with one machine is that big of a difference maker in that aspect. Um, and backhoe is not just making fighting positions, but also like uh, installing fences. Like you can use the shovel on the backhoe to push the fence post down, so that you don't have to sit there and pound on it with a with a post driver. You know, for five minutes to get one post in. Well, not five minutes, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Like, you don't have to burn somebody out on the post driver. You can just have somebody, hey, here's the post. Oh, bang, bang, bang. Okay, it's down. Cool. Move on to the next one. Right. We, we've done I that. I wish it only took five minutes to drive a post. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, dep- depending on the ground, which also, if you have access to water and you're trying to drive a post in the ground and it's really hard, wet that ground just a little bit. It'll make it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Pro tip. Um, what else as far as skill sets goes um, carpenters like any of the trades really like lumberjacks especially like, if you're trying to fill trees like I can cut down a tree and I can make it go in the general direction of what I want it to go but you get like some of these people and they can like hey it's going to go right there and it's going to thread the needle between this house and this fence those guys are they're magicians in my book, all right? <laughs> they, oh my God, they can yes. make it go exactly sick, where they want it to go. I can make it go in the general direction. I've, I've used chainsaws a, a decent amount. I wouldn't call myself a, a lumberjack by any means, though. I can I can cut the tree down, and I can, as long as there's nothing super close to it, I can make sure that it's not going to hurt anything, and then I can cut up into logs after that. But, yeah. Um, lumberjacks are a hugely underrated skill set in a lot of these situations a lot of people don't realize they need and just being able to run a chainsaw if you can just run a chainsaw safely because there are some people I've seen pick up chainsaws I'm like bro you need to put that down like you're going to hurt somebody you know so just have some chainsaw familiarization is a huge thing and just being familiar with tools really just being able to have that hand skills you know what I mean because like I've seen some people swinging hammers and I'm like You've not done this before. Like, look, shift your grip down here to the bottom. Now you have more power. Don't try to go as fast as you can. You can be accurate and still have power. You know, or you know, shift your grip up top to get it set and drove, and then shift your grip down to the bottom so you have more power to actually drive the nail. It's just the small things is what's going to make the difference in a lot of this stuff, and a lot of it's just stuff that people have to learn through experience. Right. Yeah. Because like, I can sit here in a class and tell somebody, you know, how to build a, a swaw hut. And, and, and I can have the class done in 30 minutes. But if you try to send those people out there, 
they're not going to do it as fast as somebody that's already done it 15 times. Right. It's sad, too, because these are all skill sets that people would have most likely known 200, 250 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now we're just having to relearn them. And a lot of these people are helpless when it comes to that. If they haven't specifically trained in this stuff, they are 100% going to know what they're doing and they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's like, this is also just like some good stuff in there for homeowners. Like, say, like for me, like, hey, I live out in the country, but I've got a well. That The well is my only source of water. I'm not hooked up to county or city water or anything like that. So I've got to be able to take a meter out and go and look at stuff so I can, because uh, even after we fixed the well and got it fixed with that bus of pipe. Like I had to have somebody come out here with a special truck to be able to pull all the pipe and pull the water pump out of the ground. Right. <clears throat> but then we had to, it stopped working again later. And, uh, I had to go out there with my meter and troubleshoot on the, uh, control box. But like, okay, well I've got power going to it. Okay. I'm moving this pressure switch and I'm not hearing the relay in the control box kick on. That means my control box is dead. Cause I got power going to the control box I'm not hearing it really kick on. So just knowing that stuff is, is something that just general civilians, citizens need to know. Whereas before, if I hadn't known that, I'd have had to call somebody to come out here and they probably would charge me another hundred bucks just to look at that and and then another hundred bucks on top of it to replace it because it took a hundred bucks to replace the control box. So you're looking at $200 that the, you would have had to pay somebody. Whereas if you just had a meter and go out there and check make a few checks yourself, you can save yourself a little bit of money. And like, I figured all that out, kind of that problem, but I had to go to work the next day and we still didn't have water. So I was able to go go on, this is also, you know, technology it can be a bane, but it can also be a benefit. I was able to go on Lowe's, do a, a pickup order for the exact control box that we needed. And my wife was able to go and get the control box and put it on herself, no problems. And she awesome. got water going while I was at work. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, goes to a point too of having, you know, a spouse, a partner who, you know, can get their hands dirty and, you know, help mm-hmm. you out, you know, making sure that you're teaching your, you know, your family and, you know, your community, you know, to do stuff that, you know, you yep. can, because you're always, you're not always going to be available. Yep. And it's the same way with like, we've talked about before with the team and stuff like, so I've got. Uh, two other guys with me right now we're actually I don't know if y'all saw this uh, we actually finally uh, started another uh, Instagram group and we're actually looking for other people in our area now uh, that's for anybody listening that's wiregrass underscore volunteer underscore group on IG if you're in the uh, southeast Alabama area check us out on there but we actually had three people already uh, message us about trying to join us so we're trying to grow that but I'm, I'm going to have to teach them all engineering stuff because guess what I'm not going to be able to be there all the time and if I can teach them something that helps them get through, even if it's just like something they're doing on their homestead, you know, something that they can do themselves, then that makes them better. And as I make them better, that makes everybody else better. Because then they can, that, now, yep, awesome. now they know that knowledge and they can teach somebody else how to do that. Yep. That's awesome. So on, on that term, so, We've been seeing more, uh, more homesteading from you, more gardening mm-hmm. from you. Uh, you've done a, you know, a few story posts on just calling back to older, you know, engineering type stuff that you've put out. Where are you going with the, with the page? So, um, we're going to keep going with, uh, with, with both engineering and homesteading stuff. Is is the, uh, 
the goal. Like I've said before, I'm working on a post for <clears throat> for using obstacles in the offense, not just in the defense, and just trying to get more into the nitty-gritty of engineering stuff. I'm probably going to still do some more callback posts just to refresh people's memory as we grow. Because, like, they're going to come into some of the stuff and be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look, go back and look at some of these other posts. This, this will help you understand a little bit better. Um, right. And just because of the time of the year, like summer is going to be more, spring and summer is going to be more focused on homestead and stuff. Just because that's where most of my time is already focused. I'm like, hey, I'm already out in the garden doing this. I can make, take a couple of quick pictures, put a quick description and, you know, explain some stuff where I can, turn on the video and make a recording and talk about some of the fertilizer we're using or how this is working out or so like <clears throat> like our in-ground garden that we have a bunch of area tilled up at like <clears throat> grass has taken over a lot of that like we still got our plants coming in and stuff but what we're probably going to do next year is get this uh this <clears throat> thick black plastic that people use for like they call it plastic mulch but it's literally just like plastic sheeting and they put it over the ground and then cut in the plastic holes where they actually want to plant and that help keep keeps the weed out so oh, okay. that's yeah, probably yeah. what we're going to do next year because it's just been like just trying to keep that thing weeded has been an impossible task like grass is taking oh, stuff back God. over like we still got the water mango, watermelon growing we still got the cucumbers and the beans and everything like that growing <clears throat> but it, it it is a bit of a pain in the butt to get in and like try to check on plants and stuff because we have like grass and weeds and stuff in the way if you pull out of the way. Um, yeah. Probably going to plant some pitcher plants next year for pest control because we have something called a, nice. a squash vine borers. I don't know if y'all heard of. Mm -hmm. They will yep, get vine all, borers, yep. yes they get in and they will lay eggs and the caterpillars get in the vines and like we had. Two rows of squash and one row of zucchini, and they were like super productive. And then like those vine boards got a hold of it, and it like wiped out everything but one plant. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. So either some pesticides or some pitcher plants. I'm trying to stay away from pesticides, not so much because oh, hippie organic, you know, blah blah blah. I just I don't want to be spraying poison on things that I'm going to be feeding to my kids, wife and kids later. So. Yeah. So right. I'm trying to avoid pesticides. I'm, you know, we may have to get to it and just make sure we wash everything really good. I mean, we've been doing like farmers have been doing stuff like that for years, but I would like to mm -hmm. avoid it if possible. So I'm going to try the pitcher plants next year and see if they don't help. But we may end up having to go. Hey, we're going to get some seven dust out and just dust everything. But we'll we'll go go with it where we go. Um, like this year, as far as with the my tomatoes and peppers we've done all those in buckets and they've done really well i do want to try to get some of them in in the ground next year and do a little bit better with that because yeah they're growing really good right now in buckets but i'm also having to put fertilizer on them to keep them growing that the way they're growing and it's great while i can get the fertilizer but if it comes to a time where say we got a grid down situation, I'm not going to be able to go just go on Amazon. But, hey, I want the Fox Farms Tiger Bloom and have it here in a week. Like I'm, I'm going to right. figure out something else myself to do. So I have compost going for that. That'll help help with some of that. I need to get some more trash cans for more compost. Because what I'm doing now is I got a trash can <clears throat> that I've drilled holes in the sides and I buried it about halfway down in the ground. I'm throwing food waste and other materials that you would have compost in that. And that's helping keep 
uh, animals from getting into the compost pile and, and tearing it down because that's the problem I had last year. We, I mean, we had chickens, and it was nice because, you know, on one hand it was good because they would go in and they'd tear the compost pile apart, which helped aerate it, and I just have to put it back together. But at the same time, I couldn't always get back out there and put it back up together so it wasn't composting right. like it was supposed to. So I'm doing, I tried the trash can method. I got one good trash can uh, fill out of it already. And uh, oh, so awesome. uh, I've got another batch in it right now. I need to get more of them. Uh, you can get them for like $12 at Lowe's, I think is what I got it for. So I need to get like a couple more of those so I can have it at different stages and have it all continuously going, not just, oh, I got to wait for this one to go, go down before I can go start adding more material to another one. That's the next goal for the uh, homestead on that. <clears throat> awesome well man thanks again for coming on the show again we hope to have you well honestly be another repeat customer we always love talking with you and you know heck yeah same thing with our you know with our mission you know engineering is not going away so hopefully we can stay yeah hopefully we can pull the blind back and you know make it more um just make the knowledge more mainstream more you know dispersed like you said you know the more people know you know, the, the less steep the learning curve and the more we can do. Yeah, so. definitely, man, definitely. Yeah. So could you go ahead and plug your, your Instagram channels again so we know where okay. to find you? Uh, so my main Instagram channel is uh, at Critter, that's C-R-I-T-T-E-R-1371. All right, that's my main channel. That's where I do most of my content. We also have uh, the group page for... But anybody that's in our group wanting to find somebody to train locally, that's uh, Wiregrass, W-I-R-E-G-R-A-S-S, underscore, volunteer, underscore, group. So if anybody's in the area, or y'all just want to follow us and see how we're doing, because we'll keep posting up training events and stuff that we do there, too. So Cool. Thanks a lot, man. It's always a pleasure having you on, and hopefully we'll have you on real soon. Guys, we're the hard time strong men cheering up a better class of man. Stay in the fight. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. This is 6 and 7 with the Hard Time Strongman podcast. Wanted to take a second to do a mental health check in and to tell you all about the 988 Crisis Lifeline. So, the 988 Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, 7 days a week in the United States. You can reach the Lifeline at 988lifeline.org or you can call or text 988 to get help to get someone real on the phone. Every struggle is different. Every struggle is hard. But you are not alone in whatever you're going through. As someone who has used the 988 crisis line, I fully recommend that if you're feeling any of those feelings of depression, suicide, hopelessness, get in touch with them immediately. They will help you. They will listen to you. Once again, guys, you can reach the Lifeline at 988lifeline.org or you can call or text them at 988. As always, guys, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight.